0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mystic Show. My name is Chris Curran, and we're going to spend the next hour discussing some great topics. Great in the real meaning of the word, great spirituality, mindfulness our character, all these aspects of life that are so, so very important that don't often get the, uh, the recognition or the attention that they deserve. So that's why we, we take up these topics here, and uh, you are more than welcome to Give us a call as well if you have a question or a comment. Um, our website is themysticshow.net. themysticshow.net. And our phone number is on the website as well, but I'll give it to you right now really quick. 973-498-8033. 973 498 8033. If you hear us talking about something that interests you, feel free to give a call. You know, everyone in this world has a good message to share. Everyone in there, everyone has their own, you know, golden nuggets of wisdom that they've picked up along the path of life. And if you share those golden nuggets, some other people may benefit from that. So that's, um, it mainly that's what this whole show is about. So we do the show every morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. That's New York City time. And it gets replayed twice in the evening at 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. Eastern Time. And it's also archived as a podcast on the website, themysticshow.net. And you can go to themysticshow.net and you can see all the past episodes, all the cool topics we've discussed, uh, the different guests we've had on, and you can kind of browse through and pick and choose what, uh, what episodes you'd like to listen to. And you can also give us some, uh, send us a note through the website as well, if you want to send me a little email or a note. So I want to start the show today with, um, with a message for you, if you happen to be someone who thinks that they've fallen off the spiritual path. So if you think that you've fallen off the spiritual path, you've done something wrong, you're, you're not living life properly, you don't know what to do, maybe you don't have the discipline to do what you should do or what you think you should do, I just want to tell you that the spiritual path First of all, it's different for every person, and secondly, it's not a smooth path, (laughs) I don't think. So I think there's a lot of ups and downs in the spiritual path, just by the nature of it, just by the nature of changing as a human being. It takes time to change, and... Sometimes when, you know, sometimes we'll go up a little bit, we'll be doing really well. We think we're doing well. And sometimes we'll go down a little and we'll think, oh, we're not doing so well now. But really, it's all part of the same journey. So it's like the sound waves. You're hearing my voice right now because the sound waves are going into this microphone that I'm speaking into and it's changed from air pressure into an electrical signal into a a wave and that wave has a positive side and a negative side and probably you know 50,000 times per second it goes between positive and negative, positive, negative, positive, negative. You know, but there's no way you would look at the, the, the negative part of a sound wave and say, oh, that's the bad part. Yeah, that's the bad part. We should just delete that. No, we would never do that. So if you feel like you've gone off the path, you're probably still on the path. And you have to give yourself a little bit of a break, you know? Don't be so quick to judge yourself. For instance, in my own spiritual practice, which I've mentioned, it's uh, about 10 years I've been meditating with the natural path meditation system. And my experience has been all over the map. I mean, literally, too. I've visited many countries as well, but... But my experience with meditation in my life has changed a lot. There's times when I'm very dedicatedly disciplined about doing every part of the practice perfectly every day. I just, I just do it really well. There's been other periods of my practice where it was horrible. I mean, to my estimation... I, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. I was, you know, staying up too late at night, waking up too late in the morning, and, you know, skipping this part, you know, a, you know every other day or whatever. And, you know, I understand. I did feel like, oh, I'm not doing it right. And, and that, really, that's just a little nudging from inside ourselves, inside myself, that said, hey, you could be doing better, and... Just work towards doing better, really So it's a good message from inside of us Uh, The danger is if We take it really negatively And make the judgment That, oh, we're off the path We did something wrong Oh, something's wrong I gotta fix it I'm not good enough Right, all these thoughts Come in, so So, should you just be relaxed and just forget about everything and, you know, live a bohemian lifestyle? Well, probably not. But, you know, give yourself a little break and do what you can. Whatever you're doing, just do it well. And maybe try to improve it just a little, tiny bit. And really the the whole idea of thinking that you're off the path, that is just a completely wrong notion (laughs) because every human being is on the path all the time. That's what life is. Life is the path. So if you're alive, you're on the path. And it's not, you know, lying to ourselves to say that it's true. Now, you may be doing really well at the moment, or maybe not so well at the moment, but it's okay. If you get upset at yourself, then that just hurts everything. Hurts yourself, hurts others. It doesn't do anybody any good. So that's just a little word about, uh, for you, if you think you've somehow off the path, or, or, you know, halfway off and halfway on, or whatever you want to, whatever you think. So now we're going to just jump right back in to our chapter of the book, Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. He is uh, one of our favorite mystics. He lived in England, UK. And we're on chapter eight, which is called Seeing No Evil. So it's chapter 8 called Seeing No Evil, and let's just jump right in from the book Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. A man begins to understand what seeing no evil is when putting away all desires in his judgment of others, he considers them from their own standpoint and judges their actions not from his own standard, but from theirs. It is because men set up arbitrary standards of right and wrong and are anxious that all should conform to their particular standard that they see evil in each other. A man is only rightly judged when he is judged not from my standard or yours, but from his own. And to deal with him thus is not judgment, it is love. It is only when we look through the eyes of impersonal love that we become enlightened and see others as they really are. And a man is approaching that love when he can say in his heart, Who am I that I should judge another? Am I so pure and sinless that I arraign men and pass the judgment of evil upon them? Rather, let me humble myself and correct mine own errors before assuming the position of supreme judge of those of other men. It was said by one of old, to those who were about to stone, as evil, a woman taken in the act of committing one of the darkest sins. He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And though he who said it was without sin, yet he took up no stone, nor passed any bitter judgment, but said, with infinite gentleness and compassion, neither do I condemn thee. Go, and sin no more. In the pure heart there is no room left... Where personal judgments and hatreds can find lodging. For it is filled to overflowing with tenderness and love. It sees no evil. And only as men succeed in seeing no evil in others will they become free from sin and sorrow and suffering. No man sees evil in himself or his own acts except the man who is becoming enlightened. And then he abandons those acts which he has come to see are wrong. Every man justifies himself in what he does. And, however evil others may regard his conduct... He himself thinks it to be good and necessary. If he did not, he would not, could not do it. The angry man always justifies his anger. The covetous man, his greed. The impure man, his unchastity. The liar considers that his lying is altogether necessary. The slanderer believes that, in vilifying the characters of those whom he dislikes, and warning other people against their evil natures, he is doing well. The thief is convinced that stealing is the shortest and best way to plenty, prosperity, and happiness. And even the murderer thinks that there is a ground of justification for his deed. Every man's deeds are in accordance with the measure of his own light or darkness. And no man can live higher than he is, or act beyond the limits of his knowledge. Nevertheless, he can improve himself and thereby gradually increase his light and extend the range of his knowledge. The angry man indulges in raillery and abuse because his knowledge does not extend to forbearance and pain and patience. Not having practiced gentleness... He does not understand it and cannot choose it. Nor can he know, by its comparison with the light of gentleness, the darkness of anger. It is the same with the liar, the slanderer, and the thief. He lives in this dark condition of mind and action because he is limited to it By his immature knowledge and experience Because never having lived in the higher conditions He has no knowledge of them And it is, to him, as if they were non-existent The light shined in the darkness And the darkness comprehended it not nor can he understand even the conditions in which he is living, because, being dark, they are necessarily devoid of all knowledge. When a man, driven by repeated sufferings, to at last reflect upon his conduct, comes to see that his anger or lying Or whatever ignorant condition he may have been living in Is productive only of trouble and sorrow Then he abandons it And commences to search for and practice The opposite and enlightened condition And when he is firmly established in the better way so that his knowledge of both conditions is complete, then he realizes in what great darkness he had formerly lived. This knowledge of good and evil by experience constitutes enlightenment. When a man begins to look, as it were, through the eyes of others, And to measure them by their own standard and not by his, then he ceases from seeing of evil in others. For he knows that every man's perception and standard of good and evil is different. That there is no vice so low, but some men regard it as good. No virtue so high, But some men regard it as evil. And what a man regards as good, that to him is good. What he regards as evil, that to him is evil. Nor will the purified man, who has ceased to see evil in others, have any desire to win men His own ways or opinions, but will rather help them in their own particular groove, knowing that an enlarged experience only, and not merely change of opinion, can lead to higher knowledge and greater blessedness. It will be found that men see evil in those who differ from them, good in those who agree with them The man who greatly loves himself and is enamored of his opinions will love all those who agree with him and will dislike all those who disagree with him If ye love them that love ye what reward have ye Love your enemies Do good to them that hate you. Egotism and vanity make men blind. Men of opposing religious views hate and persecute each other. Men of opposing political views fight and condemn each other. The partisan measures all men by his own standard and sets up his judgments accordingly. So convinced is he that he is right and others wrong, that he at last persuades himself that to inflict cruelty on others is both good and necessary in order to coerce them into his way of thinking and acting, and so bring them to the right, his right, against their own reason and will. Men hate, condemn, resist, and inflict suffering upon each other, not because they are intrinsically evil, not because they are deliberately wicked and are doing, in the full light of truth, What they know to be wrong, but because they regard such conduct as necessary and right. All men are intrinsically good, but some are wiser than others, are older in experience than others. Okay, we'll stop there. Mhm. Wow. Let's just take a second to think about that. Welcome back to The Mystic Show. I am Chris Curran, your host, who you can call on the phone almost any time. Well, any time that the show is happening. So thank you to uh, the artist Air for that little piece of music. That's from the Lost in Translation movie soundtrack. Which, if uh, that was a great movie. I, I liked it. Well, that's my opinion. <laughs> so I guess I shouldn't try and sway you to my opinion. <laughs> Just as James Allen said. Anyway, it was a good movie. <laughs> Lost in translation. So, yeah, I mean, this whole chapter on seeing no evil... Is um we're almost all the way through it, and it's just really really telling how our own desires really color the lenses that we see life through. You know, that old analogy that, you know, I, in fact, I used to have a pair of glasses when I lived in um, New York City about 20 years ago. That's un- unbelievable that it's 20 years ago. But I ha- I bought this pair of glasses. They're red lenses. And you put them on and you see everything's red. You know? And so there's the the famous analogy that, you know, we each wear certain colored glasses. And that's how we see the world. And we basically make our own glasses by way of our opinions and desires and and our prejudice, right? So that's what James Allen is talking about. Part of what he's talking about is learning to see the world and other people as they are. Not how you expect them to be or judge them to be, but see them as they are. And... I think that's very relevant on the spiritual path. I mean, I don't know of any saintly person who is very opinionated and judges other people and tries to win them over to his way of knowledge or thinking. That's just not the case. And wow, we're actually getting a phone call right now. Hello, welcome to the Mystic Show. Who's this?
1: Hi Chris, this
0: is Satya again. Hi how Satya, how are you?
1: <laughs> good.
0: Good, yeah. good. So uh yeah, we're live on the air. I just have to tell you that just to make sure you know. So Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I was <laughs> listening to uh James Allen's uh Fe No Evil. Like it so wonderfully explains you know, today's politics. That I just wanted to say that.
0: <laughs> right. You know I mean. <laughs> Yeah, when he mentioned the partisan and yeah, he says uh Men of opposing political views fight and condemn each other. The partisan measures all men by his own standard and sets up his judgments accordingly.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, even for in my own case, you know, I was railing against the, you know the Bush administration for the you know from two thousand five to two thousand eight or whatever. Mm. I mean, I, not, I mean now I kind of understand why you know even seemingly intelligent people. Also on the spiritual path, I mean, there were supporters of it. I mean, I could not understand. Even today I cannot understand, but now, after reading James Allen, I can understand, you know, why the world world is where it it is.
0: (laughs) Right, and you make a good point. It's not really about intelligence, right? Yes. (laughs) Because we can be, you could be the most intelligent person (laughs) in the world, but you can also be, you know... Super opinionated and judgmental and and hateful to, towards others. Yes. Wow. Yeah, and I, I, I when I was reading that, I was thinking because, you know, the government apparent or the U.S. govern government apparently shut down yesterday or the day before, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, and how do you explain that? I mean, how do you explain
0: that? <laughs> right. And and I don't follow the news very much, but. Um, are, Satya, do you know? Are they going to like you know turn the government back on soon? Are we going to revive? <laughs> not anytime
1: soon. As, you know, as far as I can tell. Um, as you know, even I kind of you know stop following these things very closely, but I do you know uh, read, it, read the headlines. So, yeah, I say it's not going to happen anytime soon because you know mm-hmm. the, the you know the one side wants to kind of use this. Uh, you know, issue to to bring back, you know, some of the laws that have already been passed. So, I mean, it is impossible, you know, their demands seem, you know, seemingly impossible because the law has been passed by an act of Congress. It has been signed by the, you know, the president, and the Supreme Court itself has upheld this, you know, aspects of this law. Mm. So how can people see that, you know, they can actually reverse it? I mean, <laughs> the only way you can understand is through this, you know, like of James Allen.
0: <laughs> right. I think we should. <laughs> right. We should have a government uh, w- and include the James Allen readings in in Congress. Oh
1: my! Yeah. So it will help so much. I mean, only if they get it, obviously. But at least we can try.
0: <laughs> yeah. So actually, Satya, the next segment I was going to talk about. Um, I, w- I have a question for you. Um, let me just introduce the segment, I wanted to talk about, um, this whole idea on the spiritual path of interiorizing ourselves, sort of moving away from the outer world, you know, Mm -hmm. the, um, the different events, also other people's opinions sort of, you know, and also physical reality, although you can't ignore physical reality totally. But, um, this whole idea of interiorizing ourselves and sort of becoming more in touch with our subtle nature or our divine yeah. the divine light in our hearts. And I know you um you've uh you're a big fan of The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, which I am as well. And yes. and he talks a lot about mindfulness and, and you've we've talked about mindfulness before, so what do you um what can you say about being mindful and interiorizing yourself? I mean, you're obviously on the path. Is are, is that something that you're uh, experiencing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it helps in, in so many ways, you know, i found. Um, you know, even for seemingly mundane tasks, you know, that are so boring, you know, if you kind of bring this mindfulness, you know, while doing that, you don't get, frustration. That's what I observed, you know. I need to mow the lawn every week. Not so much now because, you know, it's not growing as much, but <laughs> especially, for example, in the summer, I mean, it's, you, know, you just go back and forth back and forth. It's so mundane, but you can make it a little bit, you know, not so you know boring by kind of bringing this uh, mindfulness to it, or even you know cleaning bathrooms, for example, every week, you know, we do it ourselves. So things like that you know, small chores like that, which appear to be small, you know, can be very boring and frustrating and, you know, can cause resentment. So I found that by practicing this, it kind of overcome that. So that's how I, you know, I, I use that, uh, I guess, to my advantage.
0: Yeah, I, it, that makes total sense. And it's like uh, 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 this question again comes up that, you know, we're on the spiritual path, we want to be spiritual people, but then we have to do all this mundane work, yes, and at times, if right, if you just get too focused on the mundane part of it, it, it is, it, life becomes very, very frustrating, which I think most people actually live from that place. They're just focused on the, the material world and their tasks and, you know, their job and their money, and, um, you know, there's really no uh, solace in the material world only it seems like the spiritual world when you bring that into these moments is what gives a little vibrancy and lightness and and, and uh, yeah. interest to life itself right?
1: Yeah and I think even James Allen touched that in, in one of the chapters on small tasks. and uh, I think it is somewhat similar to you know that people don't take it seriously but you know small things actually grow into bigger things I think that's that's what he was saying, and and I try to explain that to my kids because you know I give them chores or we give them chores. For example, empty the dishwasher. You know, it's so mundane. It appears especially for a teenager, and they kind of resent it, and they want to get you know get it done quickly and move <laughs> on to whatever you know is on their mind. Um, so they keep banging you know pots and breaking glasses uh, because they're in a hurry to do such a mundane task. And and I actually tried to read that chapter from, you know, James Allen. Uh, to kind of reinforce that even seemingly mundane tasks, you know, if it is done properly, you know, it has its own benefits.
0: Right. Yeah, so well and I I guess we can't expect a teenager to yeah, yeah, I mean I guess it's gonna take some time to learn that. I mean we're we're yeah. still learning yeah. it, so
1: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it took me a long time so I cannot really complain.
0: Yeah. So that's, um, you know, one of the things about, you know, these little small pauses when you're doing mundane chores and, you know, or just becoming mindful, one of the things that helps that a lot is actually practicing meditation, I think. Right? Would you agree?
1: Yes. Yes. I think, yeah. uh, It's, I mean, when you practice meditation, what I found was, I mean, it makes it, you know, it makes it makes these things easier to practice and also makes more rational you know sense you know so for example mindfulness and I read about it and i you know before i you started you know spiritual practice uh but i di- i didn't really get it i think once you you know start meditation practice i think somehow you start getting these things somehow it becomes you know more rational, and you can appreciate it and understand why it is so. Even these things, for example, James Allen's uh, chapter today, I mean, five years ago, I mean, I had no clue. I mean, I was so frustrated. I was writing blogs. I was writing emails to people to kind of bring them my point of view, but it never worked. I mean, (laughs) it was so frustrating. I mean, Mm. so... (laughs) So now I understand, you know, why, why the world is, you know, the way it is. So these things become more clear.
0: Right, and also when, you, when you're actually doing mundane tasks and you pause or maybe you have some remembrance of the divine, like one of the things you can actually remember or experience or put your mind on when you're doing mundane tasks is the condition that you experienced when you were meditating. So it's like yes. when we practice meditation, we learn, you know, we get into that uh, mood or that, that condition, whatever that is, right? The meditative condition. And then yeah. when you're in your mundane life, you can actually recall that and go and try to go into that state while you're, you know, like you said, emptying the dishwasher, right? Yeah. Yeah. You
1: yeah, you, you don't need to think of, uh, think about anything while you're doing it. Yeah. You will become tactless In many, you know, many ways, even while mowing the lawn or emptying the dishwasher, yeah, you could. I think, yeah, I think that's what happens, really. You can practice mindfulness.
0: Yeah, and I went to this, uh, my wife and I went to this uh, meetup group here in New Jersey called Living with Toli. And we were talking about mindfulness and we broke into small groups and, and I was asking some of the people in the group, you know, do you practice meditation, you know? And they're like, no, not really, or I want to, or, you know, and, but yet they're trying to do mind, trying to be mindful mindful and, you know, it, it just, I don't know. It's almost like if you try to be mindful and live in the moment, um, without practicing meditation, it's almost like you're setting yourself up for failure because we know how active the mind can be and the mind will just take you and throw you where it wants to throw you. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, very, very true. And I think you know, one of my colleagues at work is also a great fan of Eckhart Tolle, and you know, we, we keep talking about it. And you know, he's you know, he's trying to practice mindfulness, but he often you know confesses me, okay, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm not in there yet. I'm not there yet. But I keep and you know, I keep thinking, yeah, I think it really helps if you have a regular practice. I think then it becomes so much easier to even
0: practice mindfulness. Um, right, so, so I
1: think, yeah, I think what you're saying is, is very true.
0: Yeah, the analogy would be, you know, like let's say you're trying to lift up a heavy weight in your backyard. And if if you're someone who goes to the gym every day and lifts weights every day, you can anytime go in your backyard and lift up the, the heavy weight, no yeah. problem. But if you, yeah. you know, lay on the couch all day, you know, eating chocolate, and you never work out, you never work out your muscles, and then you just tr- say, oh, I'm going to go in the backyard and lift up that heavy weight. <laughs> I mean, you're going to hurt yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So the other, one other point here, too, is, um, you know, and I've I've experienced this in business. I'd like to know your thoughts on it, Satya. But um, so I own my own business, and I'm not one of these people who is just, I mean, I'm not like an entrepreneur by nature. I'm more of, I'm a creative person, but when it comes to really, you know, bringing in the dollars, you know, I don't have, you know, the eye of the uh, the eye of the tiger when it comes to, you know, we got to generate revenue and bring in money. That's something that I <laughs> I just I don't know. I'm just not naturally interested in that, really. But so what I've what I've had to do is ask people's opinions. I've had to hire consultants, and I've had to ask people, you know, what do you think? What kind of marketing do you think I should do? Do you uh-huh. do you? Or or let's say my website, do you like my website? And then the person says, no, you have to change it. You have to change it to this, this, and this. And then okay, so I pay them a bunch of money. They change it. Uh-huh. Two weeks later, I fu- I see meet someone else who's a website person. And I say, hey, what do you think of my website? And they're like, oh, no, this is all wrong. You have to do this and this. You have to change it. We have to start over from scratch. And I think that's how it is in life. When we sort of value the opinions of others at every turn, it's pretty confusing. I mean, how do you really know what to do, right? So that the whole, then that, that's the whole reason we interiorize ourselves to so we can know from the inside, right? Have you experienced that, Satya?
1: Yes, yes. I think uh, you know that's what even I think Eckhart Tolle says, uh, you know, uh, in his books, um, Is you know, once you, once you go within and then, and then try to think of these things, or if you're you know, already into the practice, or if you're practicing mindfulness, uh, and then think about these things, the right answer will come to you. I mean, you don't really have to go on, you know, asking people's opinion. Um, so you kind of get a gut feeling that this is going to work. Mm. Um, so I think I think you're right. Maybe you should just stick to what you think is right.
0: So I guess but what... I'll give my
1: own opinion on your website. I think you should. Yeah, uh, you should make it like a blog so people can post, you know, their comments on each episode right there on the website.
0: Yeah, that's already there, actually. It is? Oh yeah, it's a I I bl-
1: couldn't figure
0: out how to do it. <laughs> oh, I think um, I think you have to click on the post title itself. Then you'll okay. go onto the post page, and then if you look at the bottom of the post, there's a there's a box you can you can comment.
1: Comments. Okay. Okay. Maybe it's something I haven't seen. Uh, looked up recently. Yeah. Well, what
0: happens is if you go to the website, the homepage is themysticshow.net, dot net. You'll see the most recent post, and then underneath yeah. it, you'll see all the other posts. But that's just like the homepage. So, okay, if okay. you click on one of the post titles and actually Individual. go into the yeah, yeah go into the post, then you can comment on that page. Okay. Yeah. So well, this good. is.
1: I gotta go. Yeah. Thank you, Satya. Yeah. All right. Thanks for
0: chiming in. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you to Satya for giving us a call. I think he has to go to work. It's more of that mundane <laughs> mundane life. And, yeah, so I think, I think the, uh, the outcome of that conversation is that I think everyone in the U.S. government and in the Congress should uh, be meditating every day <laughs> and, and receiving insights from inside themselves instead of uh, from everyone outside themselves. Anyway, of course I'm joking. So we'll just take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Mystic Show. Thank you to Allison Chains for the little musical piece there. It's called Rotten Apple. And it's from one of their EPs, which is like a they're they're kind of a heavy band, but but they made this one EP which was very almost acoustic, not really acoustic, but it was very light and nice actually. So you're listening to The Mystic Show. Our website is www.themysticshow.net, themysticshow.net, and you can see all of our archived shows there. And if you click on one, click on the post, you can comment on any show, any post. So have some fun with that if you'd like to. And you can also call our show. As you see, we uh, we take phone calls. Um, the phone number is on the website, and I'll just uh, give it real quick here. 973 973- 4988033 three. And you know one the last segment we talked about interiorizing ourselves and you know receiving insight from inside ourselves from our higher self you might say as opposed to listening to the opinions and 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 knowledge from outside of ourselves and one of the best ways to learn how to do that is to go on a retreat. So when we're living everyday life, we have routines, right? We go to work, we, we eat dinner, we eat lunch, we, you know, we eat our meals. We, you know, do certain things. You might exercise, you might meditate. It's very structured and regimented usually, right? And if we try to, you know, interiorize ourselves or practice mindfulness, in our normal everyday life it can be difficult at first so one of the best ways to to kind of get it jump started is to go on a retreat and one of the retreats you can go on is called pause your life it's a great way to just pause your life hit the pause button just stop actually it's not stop it's pause <laughs> it, i think when we die we'll stop <clears throat> but Pausing is just a pause to lay down all the titles that you hold, and I'm not talking about the, the professional wrestling belt that you have, the heavyweight champion of the world or anything like that. I'm talking titles like mom, dad, brother, salesperson, business owner, driver, right? There's a, We each have about a zillion titles. So put all the titles down and go away on a weekend retreat, and you can find out more details at pauseyourlife.org. That's the website, pauseyourlife.org. And uh, there's a lot of cool blog posts there as well, like really cool stuff. Um, And there's also a daily email you can sign up for, the Daily Pause. Every morning or every day, you'll get an email with an inspirational quote that you can Take a, a small pause and ponder that quote. So there you go, pauseyourlife.org. And um, so now it's uh, story time. You guys ready for story time? I'm going to try and tell a story. I've actually never told this story before. I've only, I've heard it a few times. So hopefully I can do it justice. There was a master builder. And he built houses. And he was employed by this rich individual, the business owner. So the master builder, he built houses very well. They were the best houses. His quality was top notch. And he was building houses for many years, 20, 30, 40 years, many years, and you know he was working for this the rich man the whole time and it came a time when the master builder he wanted to retire so he he went to his boss the rich owner and said you know i'm i'd like to retire and his the boss said well no oh, you know you can't retire you're my best builder no no one can build a house like you and the master builder said you know I know but you know I I'm I'm getting older and I you know my all my children are married and out of the house and I just want to rest a little bit more you know maybe travel a bit whatever so they kind of talked about it for a little while and then the the boss said okay but one one request and and please uh please please don't refuse me and the master builder said, "Okay, what? What is your request?" And the the rich business owner said, "I want, <clears throat> excuse me, I want you to build one more house, and then you then retire." And so the master builder said, uh, "Okay, mm, all right, I'll do it." So he started building this last house, and. He wasn't really... His heart wasn't in it. He wasn't doing as great of a job as he normally would. He was kind of just, you know, getting it done. Kind of like, whatever, let's just get this last one done. You know, which was not, not his style at all. He was always like a perfectionist, a master builder, right? So finally, he finishes the last house. And again, he didn't really... It's not up to the quality. It's, it's it's okay. It's not that great. And he goes, he brings the key to the house to the, the rich boss, and he says, here you go, boss. The, it's finished. And the boss says, oh, the house is, it's all finished? He said, yep, it's all finished. And then the boss took the key, and he gave it back to the master builder and the builder said what is this and the boss said you know i wanted i wanted you to have this house i want you were building this house for yourself <laughs> i wanted to give this house to you so that's the story and and okay so what does it mean you know obviously the guy built these great quality houses for his whole life but it's almost ironic that the last one he built, which was not nearly as good, was even mediocre or less, he ended up being his house. So he was building it for himself. And that's, that's kind of one of the messages from the story is that everything that you are doing in your life, even though you may think you're doing it for someone else, In reality, in the end, and in your your spiritual existence, you're really doing it for yourself. So when you go to work every day, and you put your heart into it, and you work really well, and you do great work, and you treat people well, that's good for you. You know, you benefit from that because people know you as a good person. You you are a good person. You don't create all that bad karma and samskaras and all this and you're able to be happy because you're doing the right thing, you're being honest and doing you're putting your heart into it. Whereas if you think your job is just, you know, hey, these people owe me a paycheck and you just kind of go into your job and you know do as little as possible in you know you're not you don't care about the quality of your work and you try to just you know get around you know try to get out of responsibilities to do more work i mean think about how that reflects on you think of how you feel about that because you know in your heart of hearts that you're uh you're really letting yourself down, right? And then you're going to feel a little bit guilty about it, even it'll be subconscious most likely. But subconsciously you'll feel guilty about it. So, whatever we do we're in in reality we're really doing it for ourselves. So that's why it's been said whatever you do or the, I think the famous quote is something like if anything is worth doing, it's worth doing right. So so think about this in terms of a spiritual practice, right? Let's say let's say you're like me. You're practicing um natural path meditation. And, you know, we meditate every day, every morning. We uh we, we do meditation, each person individually, you know, in their own home. And let's say you do your morning meditation, you know, you kind of just do it and, you know, okay, you're supposed to do 30 minutes, but eh, you can do 20 minutes. Nobody's really looking. And you kind of just, you know, you're sitting there and you have thoughts the whole time and you just don't really care and whatever. Hey, I did it. And it's like, like a checklist item. Like, okay, morning meditation, done. Check. You know, and if you treat your spiritual practice like that without really putting any heart into it, I mean, who are you really hurting? Who is the loser? So the other way to go about it is if you're doing any spiritual practice or religious practice or any anything like that, if you put your whole heart into it, if you try to do it the best you can, You know, if you if you try to improve it all the time, if you remain a student and open to learning new things, open to new experiences, then there seems to be this, you know, life, this um, vibrance that comes into your spiritual practice and your life. Because, again, like like I said, if you go to work and do a really good job at work, you feel good and you're happy. Same thing with the spiritual practice. If you do it properly, with all your heart, sincerely, I mean, how, how much are you going to benefit from that? So much. And how happy will you be? And that happiness will pervade into other areas of your life as you move through your day you'll still feel that happiness on the you know on uh in the background almost so i thought that was an interesting story about the master builder and you know it it brings to mind this other uh analogy that of of um of the movie screen, right? Every movie screen. Well, first of all, when you go to the movies, you go to watch the movie, right? But in order to see the movie, there has to be a screen that's behind it. The, you know, the movie screen has to be there, right? The, the, the light needs to shine onto a screen. So, but we, we rarely think about the screen, But without the screen, there'd be no movie. So the screen is in the background. It's like underneath, and it's very subtle, and no one ever thinks about it, but it's there. It's a vital part of it. And that is how our remembrance can be, our mindfulness, this idea that, yes, I live a mundane life, yes, I have a job, yes, I earn money, yes, I eat food. But underneath all that is the screen, is my remembrance of divinity, my remembrance of my divine nature. So the movie itself is like our life. You know, things happen, things change, we get older, you know, get married, have kids, get a job, get fired, whatever, you know, that's the movie. But what's the screen? The screen should be, again, that underlying awareness that there's divinity underlying all of this. Our lives need need a field to play out within. And that field is like the movie screen. So, there you have it. Um, So, as you move through your day today, Maybe try to be aware of that movie screen that's, that's underneath, or that, that's not a good word, but that's providing the base for physical life, the material world. There's a spiritual base there. So maybe you could try to connect with it a little bit today. And maybe think about some of the topics we talked about. And maybe you want to go to themysticshow.net. And check out some of our other shows Well, I'm happy you were with me today I wish you all the best And keep shining